because I do not frustrate the grace of God. Did you know you can frustrate the grace of God on your life? How do you do that? Well, first of all, if you are trying to be righteous, if you are even trying to do anything that God is providing for you on your own strength, on your own intellect, your own ability, you will frustrate the grace of God. The grace of God is given to you, and um, it is the power of God on your life. It's a gift given unto you, and so you don't work for, you can't work for salvation. Most people believe that. Does everybody believe that you can't work, get good enough? You don't try and get gooder and gooder and gooder and gooder, and then you get, you, you can get saved because you got good enough. I was just going to say, we all are on the same page. You know you can't do that, right? Oh, my Jesus, help us all. But anyway, it's the same way with the promises of God and everything that God has provided for you and me. I mean, no, that's good news. That's great news. I have been crucified. And then he goes on to say, by, I like the King James Version, but in the actual Greek, I live by the faith of of the Son of God. It's not faith in the Son. It's faith of the Son. It's the faith of Jesus living inside of you. Paul says, I live by that faith. You know, for so long, I mean, I, we, we really concentrate on our faith, and we do need to build up our faith. We need to, but faith is something that's placed on the inside of you. I was telling uh, some friends, I'm, I'm from Kentucky, for those who are visiting, I was waiting for some kind of sarcastic, but anything. Uh, the church that I was raised in, uh, I was a Southern Baptist, and then I went off into the Air Force. And when I came home for leave, you know, when I was growing up as a teenager, I, we just went to church to fill out our religious square, and our mom made us. So we went to church, you know. And, uh, but I, I really just, and I got saved in church, so I am so thankful I got saved. But uh, as far as outside of church, my life being any different, not so much. And uh, so when I was in Air Force, I came home on leave. My brother-in-law, he was, uh, him and my sister, they're, they're the two closest people. You know, they're just really, really close to me. And uh, they're older than me. My dad left when I was nine years old, so they were like parents to me. And uh, so my brother-in-law... He says, I'm taking you to church. And I just went, oh, okay. He says, no, 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 no. I'm taking you to a different church. <laughs> yeah, he says, they're going to be raising their hands. They're going to be shouting. There could be some running. It's just a really wild church. And I went, oh. <laughs> so I went to this church, and sure enough, it, all the above was happening. But one thing that happened is somebody got out of a wheelchair. Yeah, I've never seen that before. And I thought, okay, I'm listening now. At first, I was just like all eyes. You know, they were singing and everything. I wasn't singing. I was just looking around and thinking, where did he take me? I remember a story just this week. I haven't thought about my pastor. He's in heaven now, the, that pastor. He, when I got out of the Air Force, I went to that church and just got so on fire for God and believed in the power of God and believed 
And what I'm teaching you all today about healing, that's the roots of it. But I was thought about this. His dad, his name was Drummond Tom. The name of the church was Deeper Life Center. And it was Deeper Life. But his name was Drummond Tom. They were, were from South Africa. His dad was Robert Tom. And, of course, he's in heaven as well. But uh, Robert Tom, there's a book. If you want to get fired up in your faith and about God, it, the book is called The New Wine is Better. The New Wine is Better. And the reason it's called that, Robert Tom, his father, was a major, major alcoholic. I mean, so bad of an alcoholic. And God delivered him, set him free, and then called him to preach. So he was preaching in South Africa, and all of a sudden, the Lord says, I'm going to take you to America. And he told him what day he was going to go. And he's going, back then, there's no air traffic, there's no aircraft, so everything's done by ship. So this was many, many, many years ago. And so uh, he went to the boating company or wherever you sign to get a ticket. And so he went there to purchase a ticket. And the ticket counter lady said, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Tom, um, this ship is full. There's no vacancy. There's no place for you to go. And he said, the Lord told me to go on this ship to go to America. There's a seat for me. And she looked and said, sir, I'm sorry, but you are mistaken. He said, okay. So he went and he sat down right in front of her. She stared at him like, okay. There's still no seats for you. I understand. So he waited, and sure enough, the ship got loaded up, and it left the dock. And it left for a few hundred yards. He stayed there. 99.999% of people would have got up and said, I must have missed God. He stayed there. After a long wait, the ship turned around and came back to the dock. There was a medical emergency and a family, a large family, had to get off the boat and take the man to the hospital. The ticket lady looked at him and said, we have a vacancy. <laughs> My point is this. When you truly, truly believe God, the faith that is in you will believe no matter what you are seeing. And not to the 10th hour, the 11th hour, but even when it gets to the midnight hour and all is lost, all is given up, there is something inside you and me that says, you keep believing, and I'll show myself true. He got on that boat, came to America with his family, and uh, Drummond, his son, started a church in Louisville, Kentucky, and that's the church that I went to. My point is this. If he would have given up on God, there's a possibility that church in Louisville, Kentucky, would have never been started and never existed. And there's a possibility for all... You start think, I started thinking about all of those things weren't lined up. There's a possibility I would not be here today and this church would not be here today. I'm just telling you, God is so big of lining things up for you and me that we don't have a clue about. 
There's a story in Esther. Esther, if you're familiar with that, it's, it's a, just a real neat love story. Hallmark should make a movie about it, but I wouldn't watch it. But anyway, it, was a, it would be a great story. But uh, I do watch, Melody's not here. She will tell you, I've watched chick flicks with her. And I have to quote that scripture, I have been crucified with Christ. <laughs> Nevertheless, I live. No, I'm just kidding. Not really, I do. But anyway, uh, so anyway, this story of Esther. The, at this time, the children of Israel were taken captive into the Persian Empire. And the king, I'm going to butcher his name. It's Hasurius. Hasurius. Can anybody? What is it? Yeah. That I was close. <laughs> anyway, you, you look at it, it's, it's A-H-A, but it ends in R-U-S. So it's kind of, if you put it together, it's like he was named after a dinosaur or something, you know. But uh, anyway, this king, he was, had this beautiful queen named Vashti, Queen Vashti. And so he had all of the major leaders of the empire come. He put on a great feast, and they all got drunk, and he was drunk, and they, he said, I'm going to bring out my wife and show how beautiful she is and everything. And uh, the queen said, no, I'm not going to be your, she was probably from this century, he was trying, no, but it, she said, anyway, uh, she said, no, you're not going to, I'm not going to do that. You're not going to put me on display like that. So he got ticked. And she was banished from the kingdom, and he never saw her again and everything. But then after he sobered up, he missed her. And so um, his advisors said, let's just have all the virgin women of the whole region and be brought before you, and you can pick yourself another queen, another wife. So that sounded good to him. This was a heathen king now. Are you hearing me? He didn't know God, love God, or know anything about God. And so Mordecai was a Jewish man, and he was raising his cousin. Her name was changed to Esther because he didn't want everybody to know that she was Jewish. And uh, so, but Mordecai let everybody know that he was a Jew. He wasn't going to compromise or bow down to anything. So Mordecai said, I think you should, you know, go along with him. So they pick Esther to be one of the virgin that they could choose from. And she was chosen. She was a beautiful lady. So Esther got to be part of the choosing program. And uh, the king chose her. And so it took a year for her to be oiled and beautified. A whole year before she became the queen. But the whole time she was doing this, uh, Mordecai was always looking after her. And Xerxes, is that how you say his name? We're going to just call him the king. The king <laughs> said uh, his right-hand man was Haman. If you're familiar with the story, Haman. And uh, Haman was the second most powerful man in the kingdom. And uh, he hated the Jews. And so Mordecai uh, would not bow down to him. So when Haman would come, everybody bowed. Mordecai says, I'm not bound to you. I only bowed to God. 
That's the only person I do bow to is God. And Haman got furious. And so his whole motive was to get Mordecai. And uh, Mordecai was by the front gates. He had some kind of position in the kingdom. He was by the gates, and he overheard a plot that these two guys were going to kill the king. So Mordecai let Esther know so that she could tell the king that there's a plot to kill him. So they, the king found out. He arrested these two guys and hung them. So they got hanged. And uh, so that was part of the story. And then later in this book of Esther, you should read it. It's only, I don't know how many chapters, but it's not a very long book. Anyway, Esther, in the book of Esther, uh, Haman got so mad that he's got all of his friends together and, and they came up with this conclusion. Let's cause the Jewish people to be annihilated. And Mordecai would be annihilated. Not just him, but the whole Jewish nation. All the people would be killed. So he went to the king and he presented this plan saying, you know, these people are rebellious and these people are this. And he painted a, a lie. So he painted his picture to the king and he said, let's take some money from the kingdom and uh, on a certain day next month, we'll have everybody go out and kill these people. And the king said, okay. So he signed the, the law. And once a law is signed, it cannot be reversed. And so the law was out. So Mordecai found out about the law. It was published throughout the land. Esther didn't know about it, but Mordecai knew about it. So he put on sackcloth and ashes and was roaming the streets, which means something is really bad and wrong. Esther saw him and said, found out what's going on. He said, all the Jews are going to be killed. Because of Haman. And so Mordecai looked at her and said, You are God's answer to stand up for this nation. For you were brought, listen to me, you were brought into this kingdom for such a time as this. God lines things up for your life and my life. Yeah, you may never become the beauty queen of Miss USA. Well, if you're young, there's a possibility. But this is the thing. For your life, there are things that God can set in order to cause you to get to a destination that you and I can never get to on our own. We can never get there because of our own talents, you know, I was complaining to God, you know, I'm sure you all don't, but one time I was complaining to God, and uh, I said, man, I just feel like, you know, I, the Bible says this for a reason in Corinthians, not to compare yourself with others, so you're not supposed to compare yourself to others, all right? But I was comparing myself with all of my friends and ministers and everything that I knew. And I just thought, man, God, you know, I'm just not that gifted. I'm just not that talented. How can, you, how can I get to a specific destination that I would want to go based upon my lack of fill in the blank? And this is the thing that God wants us to know. It's by his grace. His grace can make the mountain a plain. His grace 
can make the Grand Canyon filled up. His grace can make the most crooked place straight. His grace. And we, if you believe that, it opens doors for you and I to go through that we can never get, go through on our own. And he will set things in place, into motion, that you and I could never, ever figure out. How the story of Esther unfolds is like, what a master plan by God. What a master plan. And so Haman builds these gallows because the next day he's going to go into the kingdom or the king and say, Mordecai needs to be hung on these gallows. And he was going to do that. But it just so happened that night before Haman was going to see the king, he couldn't sleep. So he said to one of his servants, bring in the, the records of the kingdom. And let me just read these, you know. He was probably thinking, this will put me to sleep just reading this. And so he starts reading, and he comes to the story where Mordecai told the servants about the plot of these two guys who are going to kill the king. And he said, called in his servant, he said, this guy, Mordecai, was anything done for him, for what he did to save my life? No, sir, nothing was done. He closed the book, and he said, tomorrow we're going to honor and reward that man. So the next morning, Haman is on his way to the king to say, I built some gallows and we need to hang Mordecai on. So he walks into the, the courtyard and the king says, Haman, what should be done for a man who's done something great for the king and, and how should he be rewarded? And Haman thought he was talking about himself and he thought, hmm, I think he should be Taken, paraded through the city by the, the own king's horses and his chariot, the king's chariot. And, and someone should lead and say, this is what's done to the man who's rewarded and honored by the king. And the king said, that's a great idea. Make it so with Mordecai. <laughs> Can you imagine? There's never been blood flow from a man's face faster than what I bet you that happened to Haman. He goes, excuse me? Yeah, go out there and, and I want you to be the one who leads the parade. And I want you to be the one. This is the, what happens to the man who is honored and rewarded by the king. You want me to lead that and say all of that? Yes. I'm going to watch that video when we get to heaven. I mean, can you imagine? He walks in all busted. He walks out like, oh. So anyway, he does that. Mordecai is paraded through the city. He runs home, and he tells his wife and his kids and his family, he goes, you won't believe what happened today. Oh, did you have a bad day, dear? No, 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 no. It's much worse than a bad day. <laughs> but in the midst of all of that, Queen Esther goes to the king. But this is the rule of the king. If you are not called into the king court, the king's court to see him, and if he doesn't point his golden scepter out to you, you will be killed just for showing up. 
How's that for not uh, checking out your day timer? <laughs> so Mordecai says, you need to go and talk to the king. I haven't seen him for 30 days, she said, and, you know, I could be killed. Mordecai says, yes, but don't think for a minute if you don't do this, that God will raise up another way to deliver his people, and we could all be killed in the process. So you need to do this. And she said, okay. And so she went to the court of the king. She stood there. And the king saw her, and he pointed his golden scepter at her, and he said, what would you like? I'll give you up to half of my kingdom. Wow. That's the favor of God for people, for God's people. So she said, I would like to have a feast. This king, if you study him, he is known for like to party and have feasts. He had feasts for many, many days. And so she says, I would like to present a feast for you. But I don't want it to be just for you. I want it to be for you and Haman. He said, great. We'll be there tonight. The king told Haman. Haman cheered up. This is great. Only me and the king are going to go have this feast with the queen. So they get there that night. She said, what is it that, or he asked the queen, what is it that you want? I'll give you up to half my kingdom. She said, I would like to have you all come tomorrow night. And so they came tomorrow night. And the queen turned to the king and said this. My people are going to be destroyed and I will be destroyed along with them. What? There is a man that's part of your staff that has put together a plan for me to be killed along with my people. And could you imagine Haman hearing this? You thought the blood went out of his face when he had to parade Mordecai. He said, the man is Haman. I am a Jew. And all of the Jews are supposed to be killed because of the plan that Haman has put together. And the king was mortified. And he turned... And then Haman just threw himself on the queen, and man, he made a big scene. And then the king turned around and saw what he says, are you going to assault my wife right in my presence? And he said, no. And the servant that was in there knew that the, Haman built gallows for Mordecai. And so he said, excuse me, sir, king, you know, there's gallows that were built for, for Mordecai to be hung on, that Haman built those that just... I want you to know about that. He said, great. Take Haman out and hang him and all of his family and now all of his relatives. Hang them all. Get rid of them all. So they did. And, of course, all of the Jews were able to live to make a long story shorter. <laughs> it would probably take you less time to read it than what I just told it. But anyway, <laughs> it wouldn't be nearly as exciting. But anyway, the point is this, that I, I read that. A couple of times this week, again, and I just thought, God orchestrates things to bring about his plan that no one can figure out. You wouldn't figure this out. And then the scripture, Romans 8, 28. Can you pull that up? Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for good 
to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Everything works out together good. Now, I know there's been many teachings on this that have just destroyed the scripture because people interpret that if anything happens to me, it's because it's the will of God. That's not what that scripture is saying. Are you hearing me? People think that if anything happens, well, it was for a purpose. And I know I've heard some of you wrong. No judgment here, but people in this church have even said, well, I'm sure it was just for a purpose that this happened to me. If a sickness happens to you, if, a, if you're involved in a car accident, if something happens bad, well, I, it was for a purpose. That's a lie, sweetheart. Everything that happens, people say, well, God is sovereign. No, God is sovereign in the fact that he gave this earth to man. God is sovereign, but he does not cause everything to happen on this planet because that's his will. The Bible says in Peter that it's the will of God that none should perish. And if, how just common sense. You think it's the will of God for women to get raped, for people to get murdered? You, so that's the will of God? Come on now. You can't believe that. God gave this earth to man, and it's by our choices is the reason this earth is in the shape that it's in. It's not God's fault. It's people who we put in charge and who make the choices. You're today where you're at based upon the choices you made yesterday, last week, last month, last year, for the last 20 years. Love ya. This is the thing that God wants you to know. If you messed up, if you screwed it up, if you've done everything bad, if you made poor choices, for everybody who loves God, that scripture says, if you love God, and you come to him. It said, that scripture starts off with and, which means it's connected to verse 27. Verse 27 talks about interceding and praying. So that scripture is connected to praying. If you're praying and if you love God, he said, God can turn this wicked thing, this evil thing, he can turn that around and bring something good out of it in spite of your poor choice, in spite of your wrong decision. That's the love of God. God is an orchestrator. But we have to love him and believe in him. Don't think for a minute that if you just, well, everything bad happens to me, everything's going to be just terrible, all of this is going to be bad. Well, then you are frustrating the grace of God. But if you believe that God is good, that God, God, I don't know how you're going to turn this around for good, but I'm standing on your scripture. I'm standing on this. God, you know I made some poor choices, and I could have did this better, and I should have done that. I could have invested better so I could have a better retirement. I could have done this, and but I didn't, God. But I'm trusting you. And I'm believing you that all of my needs are met and there's an abundance in my life so that I can be a giver, so that I can be a blessing. That's the will of God for my life. So I believe for everything that I didn't do or that I should have done, that you're going to turn this around for good. I am not going to frustrate the grace of God. I'm going to believe in you. Let's stand. Praise God. Short and sweet. But listen to me. Start believing God. Just like, just remember that story. 
man, I thought, man, what a great testimony that he just sat there in the lobby of that boat place. The boat left. And he said, no, I'm still believing. But you're, the lady turned to him and said, sir, the boat has left. You can go home now. It's left. You see it? See, it's left the dock. And there it goes. It's full steam ahead. It's left. Why are you still here? Because I believe my God. Are you hearing me? When it comes to healing, I'm still believing my God. When it comes to have all of your needs met for a financial breakthrough, and you're getting letters from people saying, we're going to repossess this and we're going to do that. And man, some of those people can get, there must be another Mike Davis in Pueblo West someplace. God bless his soul. But some collection agency called me one time. I mean, they were screaming and threatening and doing all these terrible things. I went, are you Mike Davis? I said, yes. But I don't know, have a clue what you're talking about. Well, do you own this? And did you? I go, no. And is your address? No. If you do, no. Click. They hung up on me. I went, I forgive you just so you know. <laughs> Didn't say I'm sorry I got the wrong person or not. I go, I forgive you. They were cussing me out and everything. Like, you're you such a poor specimen. I mean, just like, wow, man, this is, ooh, this is what you do for a living. <laughs> really sad, man. How would you like to go home to that spouse? Anyway, don't mess up if you do. But uh, my point is this. It's, you can believe things that are totally Untrue, and it will change your life for the worse. Or you can believe what God says about you. And it looks like the ship's already left. There's times I've been believing for healing in my body, and it, and it just starts getting the pain. We get worse and worse and worse, and it just like, and I remember this. It's always dark as right before the sun comes up. It's always the coldest right before, right as the sun comes up, it's the coldest. It just seems like right before the breakthrough, it can peak out to be the worst. The point is, don't let your faith go. Don't quit believing God when it happens. You know, when Melody was having a baby and uh, I would watch the, you know, those, uh, the, what is it called? The, where they put that on your body to, where you could see the, uh, the pains. Yeah, no, not the heart monitor. It, when, let's make this like a guessing game. Sounds like. And it shows when she's gonna have a contraction. Ultrasound, okay. I'm glad we all got that figured out. Next week, we're gonna learn where babies come. No, we're not, but anyway. So it would be going and I said, Oh, get ready, get ready, get ready. Here comes a big one. And it would just really peak. I mean, I'd just go, ow. And then later when the baby was getting really close, that peak was put to shame. With an, it, a pike's peak came. I mean, there was a peak, and then it was, ooh, and then it would go back down. And then, and then it just go, I went, ooh. And that's when all men 
go, thank you, that I am male. And you know, but the thing is, right when that happens, birth is about to happen. Did you hear me? After the peak, after all the pain, after all this, the promise is coming for you. The devil gives his best shot for you to abandon ship. He's going to give his best shot before you to make you abandon your faith, to make you give up on the promise, to make you give up on God. He will do his best for you to say, this doesn't work. God doesn't love you. God doesn't care. God's doing, fill in the blank. But I'm telling you, hang on to God and don't give up because you can outlast the devil. Don't frustrate the grace. Don't frustrate the grace of God. You, they that are weary and well-doing, you shall reap if you faint not. You'll reap if you don't faint, if you don't quit, if you don't give up. The only reason we're here today is my wife and I, we just didn't quit. We have plenty of opportunities. But listen to me. I'm telling you, God is making plans behind the scene for you. Don't give up on it. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord. Let faith arise in your people and us. Help us to cling to your promises, to your love, that you love us for so much that you made a way. You made an escape plan for us to escape out of the sickness, to escape out of the poverty, to escape out of the depression. A way to escape what the world says is just part of life. You said, I will give you my life. I'll give you my peace. I'll give you my strength. So we can be strong in the Lord. We can have the peace of God. We can have healing working in our bodies. We can prosper in the midst of great inflation. We can because we are of your kingdom. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. On my left and on your right, these people will pray for you. If you're here today, you think, man, all this stuff about Jesus. I don't even know how to believe that. Well, you can be what they call saved, Romans 10, 19. You can come over here and they can walk you through about introducing you to the Savior of the world. He came for you. You can give your life to God. Amen. You're hurting in your body, sick in your body, and you didn't raise your hand, and you want to be prayed for? These people can pray for you. Anything that you want prayer for, your kids, anything. All right. Oh, it's on my left and my right. So on my left and my right, you can come up and you can be prayed for. And just hang tight for about five minutes. And listen, I, I, I want you all to all stay for the, the Italian meal. My wife made enough for 40 people anyway. Okay, a lot of people. Anyway, there's going to be plenty of food, all right? So you can stay. We're going to receive our offering real quick. These are ways to give. You give cash or a check. There's envelopes in the back of the seat there. And there's two receptacles to drop those off. You can text any amount to 84321. And if you ever mail a check, mail it to our PO Box 8023. Amen. We love you. God's working in your life. Amen. God bless you.